tuned in to All Things Music, presented by Liquid Sound Records. Here are your hosts, Ryan Katz and Ian Illyrian. What is up? Welcome to the All Things Music Podcast. I'm here with my friend Finn McKenty of the Punk Rock MBA. Um, hey man, how are you? Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm Absolutely. doing well. Um, so I actually had Finn on in 2020 at NAM before the world went apocalyptic. And that must have been like a week or two. Yeah, before. literally. And I will never say this to my listeners. But I strongly recommend you don't go listen to that episode because it was really cringe from my part. Uh, I had only watched Finn's channel for... This was before you even had a Twitch channel. This was just your main channel. And I had only watched you for Mm -hmm. six months. And I will be the first to admit, I came completely unprepared with questions. And like, I mean, I tried my best, but three years later, I know way more about you and your channels and your philosophies on certain things that this conversation is going to be way better if I'm being completely transparent and honest. So, um, I mean, if, if you want a good laugh, at least making fun of me, go ahead and go back and listen to that episode. But uh, I'm excited to have you here to actually have a much better, more fulfilling conversation. Same here. Yeah. Let's do it. So I, I want to talk to you first about something we talk about in private quite a bit, which is... The fact that if I've taken away anything from your channel, which I've taken away a lot, but if I've taken anything away from either of your channels, it's to me, it's that being normal, being a normie, if you will, should be celebrated, not kind of stigmatized as it is in the alt community. And something yeah. I've struggled with forever is I love alt culture so much and alt music, but I'm very much a normie. Like, None of my friends like metal. My wife is, you know, you did that that chart the other day with the women. Uh-huh. She's that wholesome, <laughs> like whatever that that top left uh, quadrant was. And I have a hard time relating sometimes to when I'm at a show or at a convention or whatever, because I stick out like a sore thumb. And for a while, I felt like almost ashamed in the weirdest way that I wasn't like some of my peers that were in bands or did these other things. And then just through your narratives and conjectures, you've made me feel a lot better about like, it's okay to be that, that thirties, forties year old dad in the suburban neighborhood with the white picket fence and all that. And that should be like a goal rather than it, it seems like in a lot of metal and other alt cultures, it's looked down upon like, Hey, you're, you do normal stuff. Why don't you do this and that? you know, drugs or alcohol or, right. or even non, non-toxic non related things. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I could talk about this for literally hours, but um, yeah, I think you're right. And um, to me, like this is probably the most like toxic part of the whole, you know, alt community or whatever you want to call it is this idea that there's something wrong with, you know, being a normie. Um and this goes back to like th- th- every every song you've ever heard going back to like the 70s or 80s, like Descendants songs like Suburban Home and, you know, whatever else. Every punk song you've ever heard is like sneering at people like, oh, well, I'm sorry, I don't want the 
you know, white picket fence with 2.5 kids and a dog. I want a real life, you know, look, if you want to be a weirdo and play in bands for the rest of your life and live under a bridge or whatever, you know, <laughs> do whatever you want. Um, but I feel like the judgment only goes one way, you know, it's alternative people judging normies, not the other way around. Um, the, this, this narrative that the normies are looking down on you or judging you is complete fiction. You see this like in so many movies and stuff, there's this archetype of, you know, the jock bully that uh, makes fun of you because you listen to Lincoln Park or Dead Kennedys or whatever it is. That doesn't really happen. I don't care. Um, yeah, they don't give They don't even know that you fucking exist. For one, you're just like the weird kid that sits at that lunch table to them. And like, they don't care because, you know, none of us are important enough. The world, nobody cares about us. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's like none of us are important enough that other people are going to take time out of their day to be like, uh, oh, what what music does Ryan listen to? And what is my they have no opinion on what you do <laughs> or like they don't care. Yeah. It's strange. Um, it's actually, and I'm about to throw my vocalist under the bus, but whatever. We went to a baseball game uh, last, I think it was last week, Memorial Day weekend, whenever that was. And uh, I, he's he doesn't know anything about sports, uh, just completely blindsided by it all. And we get there and he's like, I've never been around so many normal people in my life. I'm like, this is what I feel like when I go to like festivals and shit. It's the same kind of thing. Um, and it's just, it's such a foreign thing to me. It's, it's, it's not that everybody in bands are um, necessarily weird, but it's it's okay to be normal if you want to do music too. Like it should be celebrated. Like I've been in a couple bands, and some of the bands I was in, it's like part of being in a band is being financially sound, so you can do all the things you want to do. And yeah. a lot of times, you're with people who don't necessarily have long time careers or just have their head on their shoulders. So investing in promo, investing in good art, investing in, in aggregation, all those things you need to really get your music out there. It's, it's a challenge to find people that are really gifted in the alt world, but also have a business sense. I feel like those two things don't really go together often. No, they don't, they don't go together. And I, and I do think that, um, I do think it's true that the best art usually comes from really fucked up people. Um, I, I wish it wasn't like that, but I, I do think that's true. Like, I don't think I'm a particularly a creative person. I don't like, I, I wouldn't rank myself high on that at all. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm good at kind of grinding it out and executing things, but I'm not like a creative visionary or anything like that. And I mean, even outside of like the music world, you know, if, in business and stuff like the best CEOs, they're fucking weirdos, oh, you know, totally. they're not normal people like being normal and being good at, um, any, any sort of like creative discipline do not go hand in hand for the most part. I mean, sure. There are some examples of people like, I don't know, Gwen Stefani seems pretty normal. Um, but, uh, you know, they don't really go together for the most part. And there's nothing wrong with being weird. There's also nothing wrong with being normal is, is my point. Right. You know, it's not to say that if, if you're a weird alternative person that's like super passionate about your art or whatever, I'm not saying that's wrong. But the message we hear is that it's wrong to be normal. And that's the thing I want to push back. And on. speaking of normies, just because this was so topical and a recent video of yours, I want to talk about Lucas versus Jackson. <laughs> the, oh the, yeah, the, of course. The team, team Lucas. Yeah. 
I think one, we need to meet Lucas so we can get licensing to make Team Lucas t-shirts because I'll wear those all day. I'm um, with you. And then it seems like Jackson is, and and this is actually more so of the kids of that generation I've met are like Jackson. My wife teaches fourth grade, so that's kind of close to that uh-huh. age. And I'm noticing a lot of Gen Z really like classic rock. Like it's the weirdest juxtaposition because mm. we we sit here and we're like, okay, all this new hip hop is sick and all these new innovative things these pop yeah. artists are doing. And I was I was watching a TikTok where these kids in middle school or elementary school, whatever it was, were listing their favorite artists. And it was like ACDC and ZZ Top. And I'm like, where did that come from? That's wild. That is weird. Uh, I wonder if that's TikTok serving it to you be. because it knows that, you know, you you like rock. I yeah. don't know. Um, but I mean, either way, it's definitely, I, I don't know what like the exact numbers are, but I mean, it's obvious that there's a lot of young people that um, meaning people are like, you know, in their teens or early 20s that are into, you know, what to them is classic rock. I know this is going to make <laughs> all the people my age have a heart attack. But the fact of the matter is that Nirvana is classic rock is a fact. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, because that shit came out 30 years ago um, in 1992 when I was in eighth or ninth grade and Nirvana, you know, was sort of at their at their peak. Um you know, that'd be the equivalent of music that came out in 1962, like the Beatles <laughs> and the Beach Boys, you know. So, I mean, it, it is classic rock. And it, and it is interesting to see how many younger people are into that stuff. And I don't know, it's kind of it's odd to Very. me. I mean, not to say that people back then didn't like the Beach Boys or the Beatles, but I mean, it wasn't. There, there weren't people that listened to that. The people didn't listen. People my age in 1992 did not listen to the Beach right. Boys. Um and uh, it was always sort of the norm in the past that young people hated whatever their parents liked or, or at least ignored it or whatever. So that, you know, seeing 14 year olds listening to Deftones and Nirvana now um, is interesting. Yeah, to it's me. definitely weird. And I think we're in uncharted territory because modern music as a whole hasn't been around that long. So really, when you go back and compare like in the 90s, what did kids listen to from the 70s, et cetera, we're. There's, it's going to be a long time until we can actually find a pattern to this just because the sample size is so small. So it, it's really hard to figure out why people are doing certain things to this day. And I think that's why you uh, do the content you do is consumer psychology is such a mystery sometimes as yeah. to why things are the way they are. Speaking of that, kind of want to address the elephant in the room, if you will, just because it's topical and it's it's honestly a really good discussion. You recently had Blair White on your podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how long ago that was recorded, but it came uh, two okay. weeks ago, maybe. And I'm going to be the first to say I I know nothing about her at all. I never uh-huh. followed her. I never looked at content, whatever. So I'm also going to be the first to say, and some people listening can learn from this. I don't have an opinion. Like if I don't know the person, yeah. And I see we all see it because. Twitter and other social media feeds us these things. If I see this discourse about somebody, <clears throat> I'm not just going to go with the herd and be like, oh, yeah, that's a bad person. Like, obviously, there are bad people out there. If somebody is, you know, telling to somebody to kill cops or kill black people, whatever, like that's bad. There's such a yeah. gray area. And if we have no idea, go ahead and listen first. Like, people yeah. have this notion of, uh, I, one, they they already have this notion about Finn McKenzie because you have the innate ability of having controversial people on your podcast, which is something that you should do. 
you should have all different yep. points of views. But there's this jump to conclusions thing that a lot of people do. Reminds me that, I don't know if you're a fan of uh, <clears throat> Office Space, they have that jump to conclusions board game that guy tried to pitch at. So like, I, I saw it back in the day. I don't movie. remember much about um, it. But like, you, it seems, at least from your perspective anymore, there's nothing you can do that everybody's going to love. And right. sometimes when that happens, you just kind of say, fuck it. And like, go with whatever you want to do and whatever happens, happens. Like you don't even have to do damage control because you have your channel. You know because I can't, I can't be controlled. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and people have already said every bad thing you could say about me. So at this point, what do I have right, to lose? But, but it's it's so it, I hate to say it's unfair because there's the whole life isn't fair. But you've had yeah. people from all sorts of walks of life on your podcast. You had Phil, yeah. who's libertarian, and 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 then yeah. you had Doc, who's as left as they come. And it's like, yeah, people should recognize that and not just think that you are Fox News podcast. You know what I mean? Well. Negativity bias is a thing, meaning that people are going to over-index on things that they don't like or they're afraid of or whatever. So you could say a hundred things that someone agrees with, and if you say one thing they don't agree with, they're going to focus on the one thing that they didn't agree with. And especially on Twitter, of all places, you know, the reality is 99.999% of people do not give a fucking shit about any of this no. stuff. Um, and the tiny fraction of people that do are on Twitter and they talk a lot. Um, and you know, whatever they're allowed to have, whatever opinion they want. Obviously when I have someone like Blair white on my podcast, I'm aware that that's going to upset a lot of people, but to your point, I, and I'm not here to defend Blair in particular or anybody else. Um, to your point, I wonder how many people that have these super strong opinions, um, have ever actually listened to Blair's content or Joe Rogan for that matter. People said all these, you know, accused Joe Rogan of being this and that and the other and stuff. And, uh, and I wonder how many of these people have ever actually listened to any of their, their content. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk is another one of these people like, yo, he's a hustle culture, blah, blah, blah. Well, no, I've listened to Gary's content for almost 10 years. He's always said the exact opposite of that. Actually. He's always said, you'd probably be happier making less money doing something you like. Um, the exact opposite of what people believe that he says, um, but that's the world we live in now. People just jump to conclusions. They hear what they want to hear. and um, nothing that you do or say is going to change their opinion about what they believe about right. you. You know, they've decided that, uh, you are this thing, which may or may not correspond to who you actually are. And you're not going to be able to do much to change your mind about that. So you just got to do what you want and let the chips fall where they may. And at this point, you know, I mean, people have said so many horrible things about me. They call me a transphobe and a groomer and all these other things. And if you look on Reddit, you know, if you Google my name, I'm sure that that stuff will come up. Uh, and that sucks because, you know, if I ever want to get a normal job or, you know, whatever, um, you know, I'm going to have to have a conversation with somebody at some point and be like, all right, well, just so you know, here's what some people have said about me. It's not true, but it's out there. Um, and if that's a problem, then we should just stop this interview right now. Um, and, uh, you know, that sucks. I don't, I don't right. like that, but that's the and world. I take we it one in. step farther because I know you're, you're a new father and I'm, I'm a, I'm a dad and your, your son will eventually be of age where he can Google and see things and he yeah. might have questions and it's, it's really sad. Or his teachers, you know, in, in a, in a few years when he goes to school, you know, maybe his teacher like, Oh, is your dad a transphobe? Right. Just, just things that you don't, you don't deserve, but that's just the world we live in. And those conversations, 
honestly, they have to be had for the first time in a long time. Our parents didn't have to deal with that. You know, if you did something, right? You it was you did it, right? It was it was you doing it. It wasn't this and right. that and and people. I mean, fuck with deep fakes now. Who the hell knows where that's going to go? Sure, absolutely, absolutely. That shit's going to be wild. I'm not ready for it. Um, and people will believe the thing. People will believe what they want to believe, which is independent from the facts. We live in a world, I mean, look, so for everyone who thinks I'm some sort of alt-right person or whatever, I mean, I think Trump is the person who just basically broke all of this because, I mean, he just lies constantly and everybody knows it and his supporters know it and it doesn't matter because he says things that feel true. And that's the world we live in now. And I, and I think people on both sides do this, but Trump is for sure the person that kind of pushed us over the edge into living in this post-truth world where it doesn't matter if it's true or not. It only matters if it feels well, it's true. protect your own too. It's, it's the cult mentality. It's like, that's yeah. my leader. And, yeah. and I, I'm never going to find another leader like him. So everybody's around, everybody goes for him. And no matter what he says, I mean, like I, I yes. you're getting indicted in federal court cult and state court, but Oh no, it's, it's the, the government. It's not, it's not that I did anything wrong. It's there against me. And, and it's, yeah, and like Hunter Biden is obviously right. a corrupt fucking crackhead. And well, well, that doesn't matter because reasons. No. Well, no, it does matter. Shit that Trump did wrong matters too. It's all bad. You know, the facts matter. Somebody yeah, it's all bad. tweeted the other day um, and they were like, there, there, there's a certain group of conservatives who believe that for whatever reason, if somebody on the liberal side was convicted, that the Democratic Party would act in the same way. They're like, listen, I don't care. It could be Bill Clinton. It could be Joe Biden. If they're guilty, lock them the fuck up. Lock everybody up. Yeah. Lock because they're right. all exactly. shitty. <laughs> so lock if somebody breaks the law, they need to be locked up. The yeah, end. Exactly. And and whether I, it doesn't matter if it's my best fucking friend or not. If you break the law, you gotta exactly. go to prison. This is the way the world yeah. needs to work. We need to respect the rule of law. But to your point earlier, like I remember years ago um, about people sort of jumping to conclusions. I remember years ago. Um, so I have two cousins who are both extremely smart people, two of the smartest people I've ever met. And um, my stepdad, who's one of these people that watches CNN and gets angry about stuff, was asking one of my cousins. I don't even remember what it was. He was like, did you see they're doing blah, blah, blah? Uh, like, it, this is an outrage. And my cousin was like, I don't really know anything about that. He's like, yeah, but they're doing blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I, I, I would have to know more to have an opinion. And my stepdad getting, getting more and more angry. And um, it, it's interesting now that it, it, it's not valid to say, I don't know enough to have an opinion. Yeah. Or to just be like, I'm going to sit we this one out. We all have to be out. experts. It, it, it happens in anything. If, if a plane crashes, we're all aviation experts. If a train derails, <laughs> right. we all worked for the train authority, trans authority. Like, right. Oh, well, no, what happened yeah, is... Like we, and here's why the team I don't like is to blame and for it's it. it's all ego. At the end of the day, it's like, I know what's best, and I don't have the humility to say, nah, you know what? I, I don't have a clue. I'm going to defer to people who do have a clue. And you're right. That's And it all right. comes from the beginning of this topic, which is echo chambers. You, you surround yourself. And that's why I, I it used to, it, it's still is a stigma to be in the middle. Like, yeah, it, it totally, totally is. is. And, and I try to listen to everything. I mean, I, I listen to Rogan. And when he had Alex Jones on the podcast, yeah. my first instinct was like, don't listen to that. That's you know what that is. But I'm like, you know what? Even though I know at this point, everybody kind of knows Alex Jones, what he's about. 
I'm still going to listen. Yeah. Maybe he'll say something different. Maybe, maybe he'll, you know, and it's funny when he was interviewing Kanye, he ended up looking like the, <laughs> the smart guy in the room, but the, the voice of sanity. Yeah. That's when, you know, you've really fucking <laughs> stepped into the shadow realm. That's when Alex Jones is the same right. one. But I, I really do it with everything. Even, even we've talked about this when, when Rogan had this year and a half period where every episode was about COVID. I'm like, at this yeah, point, oh I'm, God, I'm, I'm not interested anymore. I know enough about COVID. Like, you're going to say the same talking points for an hour and a yeah. half, but I would still listen because every now and then somebody who would have on would have to say something different about it. And well, that's a good example of something where I'm like, I don't really know anything about this. Um, I mean, obviously I know the same things everyone else reads in the news, but like, I don't know shit about infectious diseases and virology and epidemiology and all this stuff. Like I'm just going to sit this one out because the world does not need me to have an opinion right. on this. Yeah. You know, not, like I'm not a fucking scientist or a doctor, so I'm just going to sit this one out and let them take care of it because like <laughs> I who who is being like, well, I, the I, I'm not doing anything until I know Finn McKenty's opinion yeah. on COVID. Nobody yeah, is well, saying that. We hope not. I mean, no offense, but yeah, I hope me, not. You know, exactly. Just, and, right. and I, when it started, I was I was totally joking around with people because in college I took an elective course because, you know, you need a certain amount of elective credits and it was called zombie outbreak and the the uh-huh. teacher the professor was actually a cdc official and he took us in the doomsday car and all this and we had to for the final exam we had to write an essay on like do you bug out or shelter in place from zombies how do you do it etc right. i got an a so i was pretty happy about that but the one thing that did strike me this is back in 2011 when we all were getting over swine and that was like no big deal and and the one thing that he was saying was the next world changing event will be a virus. And we're all sitting there like, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, sure. Like, okay, you've watched buddy. too many movies, yeah. 28 days later, all that crap. And uh, turns out he was right. And that's why he works for the CDC and I do not. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so yeah. getting back to Blair, um, I-, I was aware that um, that's going to make some people upset. But the thing is, you know, I, I, Again, because these people have already said every awful thing you could say about me, and they're going to continue to say those things. They might say it a little bit more after I have Blair on, but that's it. It's not like there's anything I could do to please them or make them happy. And that's the unfortunate thing is like those people have decided that I'm a terrible person and there's nothing I could ever say or do to change their mind about that. Um, And so the problem there is that that basically just makes us all dig our heels in and we set up our camp over here and it's like trench warfare. You know, you live in this trench, I live in this trench and maybe we'll stick our heads up every now and then to shoot at each other, but we're just going to stay in our little trenches. Um, and, and I think that's really disappointing. And I, I'm not here to, you know, defend Blair or say that I agree or disagree with everything she said. Like, that's not the point. I don't agree with every podcast guest I have on and that's never been the premise. Um, Obviously, I agree with a lot. I mean, I, I generally agree with her or I wouldn't have had her on. Um, so I'm not trying to, you know, uh, you know, duck that or anything. Um, I just think it's just wild that like people get so fucking heated about, you know, a conversation with someone that they disagree with. This happens so often in the music industry. I mean, we all know with this Falling in Reverse tour and Spirit Box dropping right, off right. and it's like because... Right. 
you know, Ronnie has a, you know, a little bit of a past, but it's nothing that's, I don't know, that one really bothered me. And I had a tweet that went viral. I lost some people that I, I told you about. They're like, I'm not going to listen to Kill Streak anymore because you, you yeah. said this and then I'm like, okay, well then don't, <laughs> you know, I don't like, I mean, if they want, if they want to drop off the tour, like that's totally fine. I get yeah. that. Like that's and, their and choice. It, um, it, it, there, there, there's a something I've learned from talking to a lot of bands, both on the podcast and in private. And I'm not going to name anybody, but you've said this many times. Bands kind of, generally speaking, loathe some of their fans. I mean, it's it's yes. not it's not like they hate their fa- all of their fans or anything. But there's a certain group of fans that act a certain way, and the it kind of gets in the way of what annoying. bands want to do and how bands want to be and be more creative and make their own decisions. Because, as we know, with with this this Twitter hive mind, if you will, I hate using that word, but yeah, you, 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 somebody has an opinion and everybody's got to follow. And if you do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing, um, then you risk losing a fan base, which we all know the shelf life of any band is so minimal that you have to you have to do damage control at that point. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, you're risking everything you've worked so hard to build. So. On one hand, you can't blame the bands for making these decisions, but the fans, some of these fans got to know, like they, they're not agreeing with you when they're making these decisions. They're doing it out of necessity. It's not like, Oh, you know what? They were right. I got to do this and that. It's not, it's not like that. No, I mean, sometimes it is, but more often than not, it's just the band being like, okay, fine. The mob wins again. Yeah. And that's just the world we live in. Mob rule. So let's talk about something that we you didn't have at all the first time that I talked to you was your Twitch channel. Um, uh-huh. First of all, just to give context, context. when did you decide to start that? Uh, I think it was it was some point in 2020. I think maybe June or July of... 20, no, no, 2021. Okay. Yeah. yeah, because I started it right when we moved. So yeah, it was two about two years ago. Um, and I'd considered it for a while, um, but just for whatever reason, kind of never pulled the trigger on it. And then I ended up, um, getting introduced to Fred over at Twitch who talked to me about it and kind of convinced me to give it a shot. And I did, and it was awesome. And it's probably like the best, as far as like the content side of things goes, probably the best decision I made. And and I was going to say that kind of wish I would have done it earlier standpoint. I, I personally, you know, when I, I, I binge on my YouTube when I'm eating lunch or dinner or whatever. And when I click, the first thing I click on is your Twitch. Your, you upload them to YouTube for context. But yeah, the the content is much more engaging. It's more subjective. Like you say before, when you're, your main channel, and I still enjoy your main channel videos because they are informative, but it's, it's essentially Wikipedia in video for bands. Um, yes. Whereas the Twitch channel is very much like learn about you what how you personally think about this or that um i love i mean i just think it's a comedy it, channel i mean to me. then i, I was gonna get it i love the mostly. i love the the blatant sarcasm and for those that don't know your sense of humor it, it can be dry but really funny um and you you'll say things that if you captured them alone on audio you'd be like wow this guy's weird but you you do it in a way that is is I don't even know what the right way to describe it is. I mean, something that I love that you do is we all think that you're about to say something about how like the most beautiful women in metal. And then you're like, we're talking about all the dudes today. 
And I'm like, <laughs> that's that's so refreshing because it's on one, it's kind of a jab at the people who do do that, who who are very exactly. superficial about that. I'll never make. I'm never gonna. I made a hottest guys in metal video, and I'm gonna. I will always talk about like that and whether they're circumcised and weird <laughs> right. shit like that. And they're like, oh, why don't you make a video about women? We're like, well, no, that would be that weird. Would, right. <laughs> it would be weird. It would be. I mean, it, it is kind of weird how that goes, where if we're being honest, if you did make like a hottest women in metal video, there'd be people going, oh, you know, that's such objectifying of of, of these. I would never no, do that. I, know I, you I, I, genuinely, I genuinely think that's but fucking the reaction, weird. I'm not even being sarcastic The reaction, that. the different reaction you would get from making the hottest guys video versus a hottest woman video from people who watch would, is totally different it's crazy how that how yeah. that just is the way it is but uh i, I like I, I like you have that you know listen to new metal shirt where like we know by now you don't like new metal but you have that shirt to no. where ironically there's you the even your one of your first merch is the uh, impact font uh shirt yeah it's it's the it's the sarcasm the irony that makes it so refreshing because you you don't people take life too seriously anymore myself included and i think what i like about yeah. your twitch channel is you're just like let's just have some fun let's just talk about music in a fun yeah, I just way like to be silly in a non-serious way and at first um at first people who were maybe used to my main channel um they they didn't think it was funny they didn't like it too much i was like jesus christ you people cannot laugh at anything this is miserable but i stuck it out and now i think everyone gets my sense of humor and they understand that i'm just being silly and you know when i make fun of some guy's haircut from 2004 um you know it's all in good fun and you and you always say like this is the peak aesthetic and i'm like part yes. of me is like i know he's joking but also i kind of want to do that again but also not <laughs> yeah um I want to talk about something that we, you and I do have a slight of a, a, a respectful disagreement on is, and I, maybe not, but balancing making money with passion. Because I know we've talked about this a lot where you'll make a video that you really don't give two shits about, but it's going to get a yeah. ton of views. And do yeah. you ever have that internal moral conundrum of like, do I really want to make this video well no because there's no moral conundrum because there's nothing wrong with making sure. a product that people want right. you know like it's the same as if you work at a restaurant you don't like everything on the menu let's say you're the the head chef or whatever you know you have brussels sprouts on the menu because other people like brussels sprouts it doesn't mean that you love everything on the menu that you would choose to eat it yourself it just means well the people who come to my restaurant want brussels sprouts so i made brussels sprouts on the menu um, and I don't think there's like, I don't understand why when it comes to like art or music or content creation or whatever, there's this idea that you have to be like personally passionate about everything that you make or, and that there's something like inauthentic about that. Like, I don't, I don't have to sure. like a band to make a video about them. And I don't think that that, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I've never said that I like every band that I talk about, you know, it's just, that's. I, I, maybe other people. And if, by the way, if other people only want to make videos about things that they like and, you know, personally are passionate about great, but like I'm here to make what my audience wants, which may or may not correspond to content I would personally watch. But like, that doesn't mean that I hate making it. And it doesn't mean that, um, there's any sort of like cynical, anything going on. It's just like, well, a lot of people asked me to make a video about Ramstein. So I did. Right. And I guess, I guess using your menu analogy is really good because you talk about, there's some, some things on the menu you don't like as a chef, but I guess the conundrum would be balancing how many items 
you do like versus because you don't want to have a whole menu that you don't like. But you also I don't give a fuck. You would you would so, but I don't know if that's true because sometimes you you go out there and you'll make videos that I know you genuinely passionately like this or that, you know, whether it's yeah. it's it's Lil Peep or Suicide or whatever. It, it could be all kinds of your self-help videos, obviously you have passion for. Yeah. Uh, but very I mean very rarely. So for me it's probably like 5% passion stuff, which again, it's not to say that I don't like the other things, but it's very rare that I make a video like I don't I'm an adult with a family to support. I, I like I don't have the time or energy to like make a video that I know not that I know is not going to get views and is get a get a negative reaction. Like why would I do sure. that? Yeah. You know? It's like why would you put something on the menu that you know people won't like? Why that's would you fair. do that? You know, and that's the way I look at it. Everyone's different. I think the creative mindset is is more of, you know, put it this way, there's like a continuum between like pragmatic and idealist. And I think most creative people tend to be more on the idealist side. I'm far more on the pragmatic side. Makes sense. Um, that's just how I look at it. Everyone else is different. But to me, it's like, well, if I have a product that I know people like, which is, you know, videos about things like new metal and stuff like that, why would I not make right. that? You know, if people enjoy it, why would I not do and that? And to piggyback off of that, as we've talked about this too, with bringing in something new, whether it's a new format or, uh, you know, a, a new background on your videos. Why have you do? Cause I've seen this. Why are people so afraid of, of change when it comes to their video content? I mean, it's a background, right? You, your first, your yeah. first, I don't know, hundred videos or whatever it was on your main channel had that background with all, all the flyers. And then one day you yeah. decided to have just a normal wall and people were like, oh, we want the background back. Well, that's because I was moving. Right. But people d don't people don't care if you're moving. People are just like, I want yeah. the same no, normal thing that I've always had. Yes. And as a you talked about this with Nick Nocturnal on your podcast, but as a creator, sometimes you 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 want to do things a little differently just to keep it fresh, to push boundaries, yeah. to have some sort of fulfillment. And it's really hard to make those decisions when they might lead to people not watching just simply because something sure. is so different. So how do you balance having an idea where you're like, I'm going to try this with that might not work. Do you just try it anyways? Or sometimes you just are like, I, I got to scrap that. Um, I think of it as like um, there's, if anybody is interested in this, there's a book called um, beyond the core, which is the sequel to a book called profit from the core profit from the core is um, it's it's written by a guy from uh, Bain Consulting. Bain is a company that like you might know because Mitt Romney used to be the <laughs> CEO of Bain gotcha. Capital. And Bain Consulting is like probably like the most elite management consulting firm in the world. Um, they wrote a book called, uh, this guy named Chris Zook from Bain wrote a book called Profit from the Core, which is about like how to like, why companies basically should like focus on the very narrow range of things where they like can truly excel at that. And then he wrote a sequel to that called uh, beyond the core, which is like, okay, once you've nailed that, how do you expand beyond that? Um, and so for any creator, the first thing you need to do is just find one thing that people care about at all, which for me was making these sort of like video essays about alternative music. And like, you know, and I sort of had success. I think like Bring Me the Horizon was like the first one I did that was like kind of that got a lot yeah. of views. So that kind of like warp tour sort of music. But then the next thing you need to do once you figure that out, because, you you know, especially with making content, you're going to run out of ideas 
eventually if you're only focusing in one narrow area, whether it's like, you know, 2000s motocross or collecting fucking antique spoons or whatever it is. You're like, man, I made a hundred videos about this. Like I'm running out of ideas. So the next thing you need to do is figure out how to go beyond that core. And so in that book, he has a framework for like, if a company wants to do something new, you give it one point for, is it a new market? Is it a new product? Is it a new technical capability? Is it a new customer? Is it a new geography? I think there's like five things. Maybe, maybe there's a little bit more, but his um, framework is basically if it's more than one or one and a half points, it's probably not going to work. Interesting. Um, so for me, I think basically what I've realized at this point is my audience, you know, they're mostly like guys in their 30s. And so the sweet spot for them, <laughs> exactly, the sweet spot for them is guitar music that was popular when they were in high school, meaning roughly, say, 1995 to 2007 or so. You know, or it may, 97 to 2007, even 95 sure. is a little old. That like 10 year period is kind of the sweet spot. Um, so anything out, like anything outside of that is a little bit of a risk. And so I need to think about how do I tie it to that? For example, um, I did a video about TRL that did pretty well. You know, that's a show about MTV, an MTV show, obviously, but I tied that into corn because corn was always. Corn and Limp Biscuit were always on TRL. And so I know that my guys in their 30s like Corn and Limp Biscuit. Sure um, now, if I made a TRL show that was just focused on Mariah Carey and Britney Spears, they wouldn't watch it. Probably not. For a few reasons, which, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, they don't yeah. like women, especially <laughs> black women. Um, <laughs> those are two women, yep. two reasons. Um, <clears throat> but even aside from that, so that's how I think about it. It's like, Anything that I want to do, and, and I've, I feel like I've slowly expanded the boundaries a little bit. Um, for example, I just did a video about Skrillex that did really well. Yeah. Um, he has obvious ties to, you know, the email world and stuff. But uh, I did, st- did something about like Imagine Dragons that did well and ICP and Creed. Um, so I've been able to kind of expand a little bit beyond just that sort of core of like Warp Tour music or and whatever. there's that weird art form um, too of like hate watching. So... We know that, for example, the Imagine Dragons video. I would, I would assume yeah. that most people tuned into that not because they love Imagine Dragons. They wanted to hear or have maybe perhaps their opinion validated on why they yes. felt Imagine Dragons was inferior to their tastes or, or what have you. So, yes. some of the numbers. I mean, it depends on the video. We all know with your your black metal video how that turned out. But some numbers yeah. are are hate watching, and as a content creator, it's something to honestly embrace. Well, I mean, it's up to you. Everyone's. T- I mean, I, I would say if you can avoid hate watching, sure. you should because you it's don't want to have a shit posted or being channel. right. Well, it's just bad for your mental health. That's it true. sucks, you know, to to know that thousands and thousands of people are just watching because they hate you and they want to argue with how bad your opinion is. Yeah. It sucks. But you know, for some of us, that's just that's just our lot in life. You know, I have unpopular opinions. Unfortunately, I wish I had more popular opinions, but I just, that's just not who I am. But I think that's necessary Um, too, because again, if you had popular, which goes back to what we originally talked about, if you have only popular opinions, that ends up being an echo chamber, that ends up not giving any sort of nuance or discourse for people to learn new things. Um, And then we're, yeah, but it's not my, like, but who cares? It's not necessarily your job to like help people. People don't want help. You know, they just want to be entertained and mostly just want their opinions validated. Um, 
you know, I think, uh, you know, say like Rick Beato and Nick Nocturnal both have very popular opinions. You know, I don't they don't get hate watched. I mean, I'm sure there's a little bit of that, but that's not sure. You know, that's not if Fantano gets hate watched. Um, But, you know, Nick and Rick are very like nice, personable people who I'd say their opinions generally overlap with their audience's opinions. Um, And, uh, you know, some of us, that's just not how it is. Do you also recognize, I'm sure you do, that there are a lot of people, I wouldn't say majority, but a lot of people like me who male, white, 30s, but also agree with you on on a vast majority of things you talk about. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, definitely. You know, that, definitely. Yeah, especially now. Um, I used to make a lot more like I, I used to make a lot more videos challenging my audience's opinions. And then I realized that was just stupid. So I stopped. Right. Yeah. As, as a balance you have to do. I want to ask you. uh something else a little off the beaten path here but we know and you've done this to me and it's all your fault i'm going to blame you because now i only listen to like new music that's come out in like the last year mm-hmm. i refuse to listen to older stuff because i'm like i need to listen to what's hip it's just weird with my wiring now but um for somebody like yourself who really values new music new pop new hip-hop things that are very uh well produced and and, and done the right way you yeah. also have an opinion that, at least in the non-pop and hip-hop world, in the in the guitar world, you like production that is a little bit more raw and older. Uh, not always. I'm just you know general blanket here, but it, yeah. How how how? I want to know from you why is that that way in the guitar world, but not in the. Well, I'm an extremist. <laughs> okay. I want something. I I want to either listen to, um, I want to either listen to the most like beautiful, glossy, polished pop, you know, like, um, lovers era, Taylor Swift, or I want to listen to disgusting, filthy, revolting shit, like cock and ball torture or gut slam shit. I don't want to be in the middle. You know, I don't want to name any names, but I'll just say, I'll just name one. Like event animate (laughs) to me is a band that is just like, there's nothing good about that to me. Um, and I'm sorry, they, I'm sure they're lovely people and I, I don't mean to be rude, but to me, that's just, there is no songs. Um, it's just riff salad. It's not especially heavy. It's not especially melodic. Like it's just, there's nothing there to me. Yeah. I, I, I won't go as far as saying, in my opinion, I don't think they're bad. I just think there's a lot of generic metalcore out right now and specifically metalcore yeah. That is going yes. through the motions. I think metalcore is the worst genre of music right now. It's trash. It's fair. And I've been listening to metalcore since literally the well, very Well, if you beginning. listen to metalcore from 99, 2000, et cetera, it doesn't sound anything like it does today. It's it was built- No, no, no. But my point is, like, I, I, I love the idea sure. of metalcore, but the moment that it's at right now is garbage. I, I think going through the motions is the best way I can describe it. Yes. Um. Exactly. And there's obviously going to be outliers to this. There's there's obviously yeah. good metalcore bands out there, but I would say yeah. uh, there's a vast portion. And when I when I you know something as simple as juxtaposing it with deathcore, which to me, and I'm a little biased, I'm in a deathcore band, but to me there's been a more of a uh, attempt to push boundaries in that. There's more yes, innovation. In and there, for there's sure. more. Of, uh, not just shock value that's not the right word but when you're listening you don't know what's coming up necessarily but yeah in metalcore it's like i know what parts here i know what parts coming up i know what this is gonna be here comes the clean chorus etc yep 
do you remember around like say 2013 or 14 at the very end of the crab core era yeah. when, and you're just like, Jesus Christ, people, yeah. I do not need another fucking band that sounds like asking Alexandria, like yeah. enough. Yeah. It was definitely played out. Um, and, but, but what ended up happening was we, that, that bubble eventually burst. Uh, you know, yes. But I feel like we're in that same moment now, but with Gent. right. So when is the bubble bursting is the question. I don't know yeah. if it will. I think, I think that's just, I think this is, you know, some genre, not every genre changes over time. Like punk now sounds the same as that's it. True. Like there's nothing new that's happened in punk since probably the nineties. But I will say as well, we're you starting know? to get some bands. Somebody said this the other day where it's like post metal core, which is like spirit box, sleep token, bad omens that are, you know, they have elements of metal core, but there's, they're do they're, they're taking risks that other bands aren't taking. And I mean, I don't know that I would say Sleep Token is kind of risky, I suppose. Uh, I think Spirit Box and Bad Omens are both great bands, but I, I wouldn't say that they're risky. Sure. In fact, I would just say that both of them um, are are just going back to the basics of like good songwriting and good vocals. Right. Well, and, um, I don't think they're risky, but th that's not. No, a bad and thing. it's it's actually ironic because Mike from Spirit Box is probably one of the most talented guitarists I could imagine currently he can shred his fucking balls off for anybody who doesn't but they know. don't write music to showcase him they write music to showcase right. courtney and right because that's what 99.9 percent .9 of right. people care it's about guitarists like me <laughs> that only give a shit yeah. about riff salad whereas yep. and i've i've kind of trained my brain to really value vocals more because i was like that three or four years yeah. ago i was definitely like that but today i really you, for people who don't sing, it's harder. And it's like guitar. People play guitar, you recognize the virtuosity yeah. in that guitar. But for people that don't sing, it might be hard to recognize how amazing it was for that person to pull off that run, to do that harmony, all those things. Um, try for any, any guitarist, try making a song on your own um, where you sing and you can just auto tune the shit out of it. This is actually, this was like a really like pivotal moment for me in this is um, when I learned how to use Melodyne, which is for anybody who doesn't know, it's yeah. like auto tune. I learned how to use Melodyne like 10 years ago. And I was like, Oh, um, I guess I'll, I'll make like a, uh, like I wanted to make a song that sounded like forever, the sickest kids, um, which has a lot of like really complex vocal harmonies and stuff in it. And uh, said, so I can't sing at all, but now that I know how to use Melodyne, I can do this. And, um, so I wrote vocal melodies and lyrics and harmonies and stuff like that. And I, I don't want to play the song for anybody cause it's not good. Um, but the act of doing that to your point made me appreciate vocals on a whole new level. I wrote a few songs with vocals and stuff. It made me ap appreciate it on a whole new level, even though they were bad. I'm just like, Oh, now I understand. I used to listen to like, um, say like mighty, mighty boss tones, for example, I would listen to them and like during the verses, the guitar parts are so simple. It's just like, you know, eighth or 16th notes, like palm muted. And I'm just like, this is so boring. But now I realize, oh, it's because they needed to make room right, for the vocals. Exactly. I, I, I find myself doing that when I'm running demos. I'm like, okay, the next part's got to be this for me and this for me. And I'm like, bro, let, let's <laughs> let my vocalist shine a little bit. It's not about you. Uh, yeah. You can't have a drummer going off and a guitar shredding and a vocalist. There's doing a their reason thing the vocalist the is in the front time. of the stage and we're all behind them. It's, it, that's There's always been that like it or not that's exactly. just how it is so it's just how it is i think is. that's why bands like bad omen spirit box and sleep token 
because they're more vocal driven are becoming I guess the next generation of headliners. We can't say yeah. that for certain at the moment, but it's seemingly trending that way. Sure looks that way. So for those that are in bands that want to play in front of the most people possible, which listen, some people are in bands just to play 300 cap venues and that's totally fine. But, or, or, or 10, yeah. 10 cap venues, which I, by the way, I totally respect that. You know, there's people who think that, um, I believe that the only thing that matters is, maximizing your audience and making as much money as possible. That's not true. Um, I re- I completely, again, I'm a purist. I say, go, go one way or the other. I either try to get as big as you possibly can, in which case you should probably take things in a more, you know, uh, a, a, a direction that incorporates some pop sensibility. Yes. Um, and by the way, I would say like deicide has a pop <laughs> sensibility. You know, it doesn't mean you have to sound you like Britney falsettos Spears. and all these runs. Like you don't have right. to do that. It's more about structure. It just has, and, it, yeah, and it, exactly accessibility, having hooks, whatever. That like, dying fetus has a pop sensibility. Yeah, like they're really catchy. I mean, all the songs that I end up trying to fall like at the middle of the night when I'm trying to fall asleep that are in my head, I'm like, yeah, because that's that's a really catchy hook. I'm not fall again. We're not throwing anybody under the bus, but I'm not falling asleep to invent animate in my head. I'm falling asleep to just whatever bad omens or, or whatever it is. Cause there's like, there's right. a catchy hook there. A date remember does that really well as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, but my point is either do that, or if you just want to play your weirdo, filthy, you know, basement grindcore, prog, whatever, that's total. I totally respect that too. Just to understand that there's going to be a smaller audience for that most likely, which is totally okay. Exactly. Um, I do want to address something because because you're one of the few people I talk to who I would consider, uh, I guess, a hip hop aficionado because a lot of my yeah. again, we talked about the beginning, but a lot of my normie friends like hip hop just because they like hip hop. But you you have a, a yeah. different sense of it. Something that's bothered me for God, maybe a decade now, because it wasn't this way before. I am. We, we know about live performance and it's about the experience. But yeah. for me. I can't get over so many of these rappers rapping with their vocals already on the tracks. It's if they even show up. <laughs> it's another thing. Um, but it seems like karaoke night when they do that. That's just my opinion. Yep. I it seems to be the norm now. Well, it's not an opinion. I mean, that's a fact. But it, it used to be you would you bring your DJ, he'd play your beat, he'd mix it right. Yeah. You would rap over your beat, you know where your bars are, and it would be a legitimate and I know we've talked about authenticity. You know, it is what it is. It should be entertainment. But at least for me, and I know I'm not the only person that feels this way, when I go to a hip hop show, I want to hear the artist perform the song, not just yell it over their vocals. Because it's not even they're doing yell one out of every eight words. And it's oh God, that's that that truth. But like some of these, like you can hear the recording, their flow is really on point, their tone is really great, they're lower. But when they're rapping, they're up here and they're like and it's like Yeah, right. I, I do is that something that's ever going to go away? How do you feel about that? I mean, I would like to. Have- I don't. I don't like watching live music. So, um, <laughs> I, I mean, to me, it's all I, like I just don't like watching live music. Um, but that being said, I would never pay for that right. personally. Um, because just everything about that seems like like why would I pay for that? You know, they're going to show up an hour and a half late and like sort of stumble through um stumble through the worst version ever of this song that you like and it's like what why am i paying a hundred dollars for this 
Um, so, I, but I don't know. I mean, I don't go to these shows. So does, does the average, you know, whatever, like, um, Lil Wayne, I mean, he's probably better yeah. than most to be honest, but spice, you know, whatever. Thinking. Yeah. Or Lil Dirk yeah, or whatever. Like, does the average, does the average Lil Dirk fan care? I, I don't know that they do. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm, I don't go to those shows, so I'm not sure. Probably, I sure wouldn't But a lot of these it. people have nosebleeds and they can't even see what the artist is doing anyway. They're just dancing, right. which is fine. Like that's. And I, and I feel like they don't, I, I could be wrong, but I feel like the, that audience, I don't think that they care about the, the, um, nuances of the performance. I think they just want to be right. there. And, and the, you know c- what I mean? Contrastly, when you look at rock, metal, punk, whatever fans, if they see somebody on tracks on stage or, you know, miss yeah. a part or, oh, this was recorded, it's an immediate point and laugh situation. Yeah, oh, we're going to hang you out to dry. It's like, well, dude, we've got fucking eight tracks of guitars in the album. Do you want it to sound good or do you want us to use tracks? Because those, those are the choices. Are the choices. Um, before we go, I, I never got to ask you about this. I, I kind of want to know a little bit about your time up here in Cleveland. I know you had, had time in Cleveland. You had some time in Cincinnati. A long time ago. A yeah, yeah. long time ago. Um, but uh, sometimes you mention things, especially on your Twitch when you're making fun of Ohio because it's easy to do. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm just curious to like, so, so you were here from, I lived, I lived in yeah. Cleveland from 96 to 99. Um, and then I moved back to Seattle and then I moved to Cincinnati to go to school, uh, at university of Cincinnati. I was there from, I think 2004 or five. And then I graduated at the end of 2009. And then I lived in Columbus from the end of 2009 until the end of. So you really are an Ohio expert. There's not a lot of people from Ohio yes. that's lived in all three major cities. So that's, you know, that's, that's pretty, uh, uh, <laughs> sadly, <laughs> I, sadly, I am an expert. Um, I've seen the big city sites of, uh, Youngstown, Akron, Canton, Dayton, Toledo, you know, <laughs> and then across the river over in beautiful Covington, Kentucky. Oh my God. So, okay. Well then let me ask you this, which out of the three, and you can be completely subjective. Don't, you know cater to me which one was your favorite city to live in out of the three if you had to pick oh columbus by i would far. say the same and i'm like i said i'm not from there i'm from cleveland but columbus seems to be more of the traditional kind of city uh has a lot of diversity it's you know it's a little more enjoyable yeah columbus yeah. is fine yeah it's fine I, w- I would be okay with living there again I, I it's not like you know i mean i was born on the west coast i grew up here so to me I mean, especially like Washington is just so beautiful yeah. that, you know, it's it's hard for anything. Like, I don't even think California is as pretty as I Washington. try so hard when I'm um, here, whether I'm going hiking on a nature trail or whatever. I try really hard to appreciate what's here. But then when I leave and I come back, I'm like, God, this is really unexciting. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that's I don't mean to be a snob no, about true. it. And, you know, it's whatever. It's it, it just. I grew up like looking, you know, if, if I showed you a picture of what I saw looking out my bedroom window when I was a kid, which I completely took for granted, you know, it's the Cascade right. Mountains, you know, I see that every day. And then you go to Ohio and it's like, oh, well, there's like a hill Squirrel. in Ashtabula that people try to ski down, it's you know, fucking truth. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, in, um, when you were in Cleveland, but, but that was like right around. Sorry, no, go ahead. Right. Uh, when you were in Cleveland, the uh, that was right around the the hardcore scene was really oh yeah, yeah. it was sick uh, the i will say this is like the music scene in ohio especially cleveland 
is like 10 times better than Washington. Like it's not even than Seattle. It's not even close to do. What's that? There's nothing to do. Well, it's also close to everything like Seattle. The closest city is Portland, which is still three hours away. And Portland's not that big. Um, And then, you know, it's like Boise, Idaho (laughs) is like 10 hours away. That's like really it. And so in the nineties, a lot of bands didn't even play Seattle because you just, it just didn't make financial sense. You're not going to drive, you know, eight hours to make $200. Cleveland's routed you know. or Columbus. They're always routed. It's either one or the other, because I think it's something, yeah. there's something like it's like six hours away from every major city that's not on the West coast or something like that. So yeah, exactly. Different. And it's close enough that if you live in Cleveland or Cincinnati or sorry, Cleveland or Columbus, you can drive to the other one. If you really want to go see something, it's not far. Um, so I, I will say that and like the hardcore scene in Cleveland at that time was amazing. I saw every fucking band that toured at that time. I saw all of them in Cleveland and the shows were all great. Um, and, uh, that was yeah. cool. Uh, and a good death metal scene back then. In, was in Ringworm active too. back then? I think so. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then they're from Cleveland and I, they actually just played the Chimera, uh, show. Chimera had like a two night reunion show. So there's still state of conviction still around. There's still a bunch of bands that are still yeah. around. I mean, they're not doing, yeah, I got tattooed by James from Ringworm. Oh, okay. He actually makes, um, he has a Facebook group that, does death metal baseball t-shirts so like okay indians like in death metal fawn chief wahoo with like bloodshot eyes and shit it's actually pretty cool but uh did you have a favorite venue when you were up here old peabody flats in the flats yeah that was fucking awesome that's probably my and and speaking tongues was great just in different ways you know peabody's is where like the quote-unquote big bands would play which is you know, funny back then to think of like Peabody's as being, you know, big, but a band like VOD or something, you know, would play, uh, would play at Peabody's in the flats. Um, and then speaking tongues was like the punk venue. Where was that at? Which was, I, I don't, that's not around uh, I think it was around like West 20 is by the, what's the, the West side market okay. or whatever. Um, uh, around like West 25th or something. It was like really, I don't know what it's like now, but it was very sketchy back then. Yeah. Cause now in the West side, they just have the foundry, um, something called no class uh mahal's which is like a bowling alley converted into a venue so okay. they got some stuff but uh yeah the fantasy was fun too i lived on uh west 114th in detroit so it was like we could walk to the fantasy and like was the pirate ship there something. when you that went was... yeah yeah mm-hmm. they just closed the yeah i saw tons and tons of great shows okay. there very cool well hey man thanks for coming on i'm glad that i could have a much more uh knowledgeable conversation with you than three years ago so uh, like I said, this was something that I wanted to do for a while and I'm glad that I chose now to do it because it was much more entertaining and thought provoking. So I really appreciate, uh, you coming on. Great. Thanks for having me.